JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. As Lawrence goes out of the gun, they feed it to Etienne, hammering into the end zone, and he scores. Minshew takes a snap, backs the throw, play action. Has time in the pocket, now he is sacked. Ball is out. It rolls on the turf around the 23-yard line, and the Jaguars have it. Etienne on a wildcat, direct snap to him, taking off right edge. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he's going to score. Colts have already turned it over once in this game. Minshew to pass. He's going to fire up field this time. It is picked off. The Jaguars have it at the 20, the 25-yard line. Andre Sisco is tackled forward and then pushed up to around the 35-yard line. Inside the 30-yard line. Empty set for Lawrence out of the gun. Again, he's going to pass looking left. Hitches, fires downfield, hits the man at the 5. He's in the end zone. That's a touchdown. Christian Kirk, the Colts killer. They trail 21 to 6. 12 and a half minutes to go here in the third quarter. Play action. Minshew again to throw. Fires it downfield. It's high and it's picked off in the back end. Returned by the Jaguars coming near side in plus territory. This time it's Rayshon Jenkins. Third and goal at the 10 yard line. Lawrence out of the gun. Three receivers to the right. Backs to throw. Plants has all day. Checks it down right side to a wide open tight end who backpedals his way across the goal line for a touchdown. Minshew going to pass on fourth down and goal. Fires it left side into the end zone. Josh Downs, touchdown. Second down and three at the three-yard line. Goal to go situation for the Colts. And Zach Moss driving across the goal line from three yards out. Touchdown for the Colts. Final score here in Jacksonville on week number six. It'll be the Jacksonville Jaguars 37 and the Indianapolis Colts 20. 
That is Matt Taylor of the Colts Radio Network right there. And an incredibly disappointing day yesterday for Colts fans watching them go down. 37-20 was the final in Jacksonville. Let me lay out where we are today. Southsiders, I'd love to see you at the Twin Peaks location, County Line and Madison on this Monday to wrap up week number six of the NFL. Monday Night Football has the Cowboys and the Chargers from Southern California. You have Major League Baseball postseason. The ALCS is underway, I believe, coming up here in the 3 o'clock hour for game number two down in Houston with the Rangers up a game in that best of seven. And then the NLCS starts later on tonight with the Phils and the Diamondbacks. Of course, you can watch all that. Have great food, and I mean a great scratch menu that they will make for you right here at Twin Peaks. And would love to see you. And also this reminder, because the Pacers are in action in the preseason at home tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. And because we have the Colts roundtable coming up tonight, this show goes until 530 today. So if you want to get in, and I'm assuming you do, because this is a day we get a lot of your reaction. You get a ton of my reaction, a lot of your reaction. And then Stephen Holder of ESPN is going to join us coming up here in the five o'clock hour per usual. But if you want to get in, then you need to start right now. You got uh, a wide open other than me and you three and four. And some things I'll tell you, some things I thought about yesterday and more coming up. But again, we're off at 530 today. So 30 minutes less than normal. And as usual, it is going to be a loaded with a lot of me and a lot of you Monday Reaction to the Colts' loss in Jacksonville yesterday. I'll start right here with this, as you guys, I'm sure, will load up the phones. Is I understand because I'm right there with you. I will get in a spot. I, I want to. I don't root actively for local teams by any stretch, but I root for you guys being in a hell of a good mood. You know, I want those types of Mondays. I want those types of work weeks because we've been through this grinder of just consistent losing so much. It it kind of becomes in your fabric a little bit, right? I mean, you see losing organizations continue to lose and it becomes them. And it does the same thing with their fan base. Uh, to take the words away from a title of a little river band song, I mean, it turns you into a lonesome loser. It does. So... You go into last week, and I was so impressed. And not because Tennessee is any good. We saw that in London yesterday. They're not very good. I mean, really, still, the division is not very good. Now you're just uh, down a tie break with Jacksonville now. We're not even into November yet. And I don't even know if I expect this team at all, especially the way that it played yesterday, to be participating long-term with a chance to win this division. But I will tell you, it'd be nice if they could hang in. And honestly, I know that they're going to have days like this. This is not the last day like this that we have seen. If Anthony Richardson is indeed done for the season, and this is something that I talked about in the press box with everybody going back to that game in which he was injured over a week ago against Tennessee, I thought, you watch, this is going to be one of these situations where he goes on IR and then they decide at some point on IR that he's going to be done for the season. And I understand they're going to err on the side of caution and make sure everything is okay. That's not going to stop all of us from kind of fanning the flames of, all right, so is this guy going to be able to make it through a game? 
through a month, through a season when he gets back. I mean, those thoughts are not going to go away. And in fact, yesterday we were talking to Rick Venturi on the pregame huddle, and Rick had mentioned to me, you know, this is probably the thing that I'm most concerned about. Because I asked him, and I framed up the question regarding no Anthony Richardson in the fashion of, hey, you know, he's missing all this time. He's missing these reps. He's missing these experiences, both good or bad. Give you a great example. Juju Brantz is out there getting experience at corner right now, both good and bad. We saw both sides of it yesterday in a major way. That's ideally what you want from your 21-year-old rookie quarterback. But what you also got from him is you got a, a, a fraction of the game in which, rookie or not, other teams have to be aware of. And that is being able to utilize his legs. And when you look at the game yesterday, that's where it all starts. People were asking me this morning, I was on with Tony Katz, and he said, hey, you go back to week number one, and in week number one, this team hung in there, and you can make an argument that this team, at least through three quarters, this team was the better team. And you could if you wanted to debate it through three quarters, you could. And we saw what happened in the fourth. I mean, everything kind of fell through. But you could debate that if you wanted to. And the big reason was you had Anthony Richardson, you know, until he went out at the end of the game, but he was out there with that threat. Ryan Kelly said after the game yesterday that basically Jacksonville defensively played the same way that they did in week number one. They go, man, oh, man, they're going to take away as much as they can the run, and I guess – it worked because it's not like that this team, especially early on in Shane Steichen, which I didn't think had a great day yesterday either. And we'll see if there are more days like that to come, considering you know the situation of just not being able to go down the field or not having any outside threat whatsoever. I would say this. If you have a duo, one that has shown you the past three weeks is capable of running and the other should at some point jump back into form and be able to show you. Um, and again, I know this hindsight's twenty twenty, but even at the time, I think we had all tested that a little bit more than what Shane Steichen did early up until the point where they got behind and it was no longer that much of an option. And then you really had to throw the football. But the point I'm making here is you look back at days like a week ago Sunday, and that's going to make you incredibly happy. We love those days. But they're also going to be mixed in performances as we saw yesterday. Because when you look at this team, this is a, a schedule that is manageable. And I've always said this in terms of competing. And it may not go in the winning direction for this team because while the schedule is manageable, you look at the rest of this schedule and really maybe other than Cincinnati, who I'm assuming at that point is going to be a lot better than what they have been the first quarter of the season. When you look at that Cincinnati game, everybody else is like a coin flip. I mean, you look at, you know, you got a defense of Cleveland coming off an upset win over San Francisco, handing them their first loss. That was that was incredibly impressive. But still, you know, we'll find out about Deshaun Watson coming up for Sunday. And they haven't performed that great so far. You look ahead to New Orleans with you know, Derek Carr 
Further down the road, you get Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. Mac Jones on that schedule in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, he's been a mess so far. New England's been a disaster so far. So really, these games are, you know, a throwing a dart on a dartboard, a flip of the coin type of situation. So it would stand to reason that when you have a schedule that looks like that, and again, it's a weak schedule, and it's good for the Colts because they're a weak team. They're not very good. And they have been even more so declawed from a threat standpoint because when you take away the threat of Anthony Richardson's athleticism, you give this defense, and you've seen that now. There was more respect to Richardson when he played in week number one. But, man, you saw the Jacksonville defense just sit on that. They went nine for nine, did the Colts, in that first drive. And as soon as the dink and the dunk and the short stuff got taken away, they really had nothing for anybody. I mean, I know later on in the game, different situations, right? But, yeah, go back to where it really mattered. The Colts, with this group right now, has no answer. They don't have any answer because there is not, unless you get this running game going and you put the onus back on the offensive line, you put it, on Shane Steichen, who had been dubbed, you know, a guy that knows football and can get it done, and everybody's in line. I mean, it's going to be on his shoulders to find some ways that you can move this thing down the field with a guy. With a guy that can't throw it down the field. And you saw what happens when he tried to make big plays down the field. He just can't do it. They can't get free, and he can't do it. If you take away the short stuff and this team can't run, this team is going to be screwed. So in the short term, that's what you're looking at. We'll see. Again, I'm not having any expectation of Richardson's return. I know that Shane Steichen said earlier today that they're going to monitor the situation. But they have talked way too much, I think, to this point about the fact that they may go ahead and opt. It's still in the thought process of opting for surgery. Maybe that's what they end up doing. So it's so prevalent out there. I'd be incredibly surprised at this point if that is not the choice. And I mean, then you kind of look at it. Okay, a, a grade three AC joint sprain. You know, how much else may be of issue there just kind of makes you wonder i mean if you're really feeling the need to go ahead and take surgery opt for that shut him down because you want to protect the future it does kind of make you wonder that too but that's what it came down to yesterday and i guess what was most disappointing is the fact that that this team has to play as mistake free as possible and a guy, back up or not, that had been able to do that. Now, mostly in situation in which he comes in and the other team had been prepared for something else. And then you get him. And you know, even thinking about, you know, going back to week number one where the Colts looked really good through three quarters, it was still the first game of the season. And again, Jacksonville prepared for the athleticism of Richardson. And you could tell what they prepared for yesterday. They prepared for a team that was zero threat going down the field. They were going to take away the run. They were going to take away the short pass. And then basically, this offense was useless. 
this offense was useless most of the time. But then you add on top of that, and we know that's kind of what you're going to get here, but you add on top of that a team that can't make mistakes, and I mean on both sides of the football here. Certainly more prominent on the offensive side with three interceptions and three of the worst interceptions that you will see. I was asked this morning, you know, the offensive line and the pressure on the quarterback, those three interceptions didn't come with pressure. He was just throwing off the back foot. I don't know. A couple of different times, you don't know what really he was looking at. Either he was trying to make something out of nothing because of the situation, or he was just pressured into crap in his pants in those situations, whatever. We had not seen that level of mayhem from Gardner Menchu. And that's really, that's not his M.O. in the past. His M.O. is being able to, to keep you in it and not make mistakes. Yesterday, he made the mistakes that ultimately put you to sleep. But he wasn't, he wasn't the only one. That's not lost and should not be lost on anybody. I mean, you had a couple of, of mental mistakes, certainly in that first half on the defensive side. I, the secondary... The secondary is all over the map anyway. And I will say this, Juju Brents, for what he's going through right now, is going to make him, I think, a better player. It seems like that maybe defensively, he <laughs> it's almost like that you wish that they would just say, all right, you go out there and take a dude. Or here's what we want you to do. Because he, at times, looks like he can do that with his raw athleticism. And his rangy ability looks like he can go out and, and cover somebody. But then you get into, well, you know, you got to be here on this and there on that, all these defensive calls. And these guys are all over the map yesterday in the secondary with that. I mean, how else do you describe Christian Kirk streaking down the field, pass play to him, touchdown? I mean, that shouldn't happen ever. That wouldn't happen in the preseason. That happened in week number six. Also, I wanted to talk with you about this. A lot of people have suggested, hey, you know what? You didn't have this team winning seven games anyway this season. So why is it such a big deal? Why do you act so mad? A, I'm not mad. But B, the proper criticism for a game is what we do. Just like the proper props, the love, the joy after the Tennessee game. That's what you do. When you do stuff well, and then winning comes behind that doing well, you know, that's what you get as a result. Then that's how we bring it up. That's how we talk about it. But we don't just say, well, you know what? They're just not very good. Nah, no. With this schedule and this division, you've got to look better than that. And listen, Jacksonville, nine times out of ten yesterday, would have won that game. But you have to give yourself a better chance, a better opportunity. And I'm not telling these guys something they don't already know. I mean, they want to win badly. They don't want to look like crap like that. And I'm certain they're not going home and look at the mirror and going, well, you know, uh, JMV in the afternoon said we wouldn't win over six and a half games, so this will happen, blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. Uh-uh. No. Because yesterday, for the first time, there was a really good reason to be critical of an offensive game plan, be critical and fairly critical of Shane Steichen as the head coach and how he ended up drawing up and blueprinting this offense that outside of that first drive. And then really at times when you saw Jacksonville kind of take their foot off 
the pedal just a little bit. I, I mean, nine out of ten times, Jacksonville's going to win that. And, and you've got to find a way. You've got to find a way with Gardner Minshew. But you've got to find a way. And yesterday, they did their damnedest to be their own worst enemy. We don't want to see that. They can't do that. I think the worst thing in the world for this team right now is to be anything like I'm explaining to you on this Monday afternoon here in central Indiana coming up on Sunday. That would be the worst thing. One more game to where they do themselves in in that fashion, really both on the sideline and then on the field, and then you're going to start to get into, oh, yeah, that is who they are. I just think right now they're a middling or below middling team that has a doable, keep you interested type of schedule. I think that is a fair assessment of this team. They should beat Tennessee here. I mean, hell, honestly, you go back to week number one, they should have beaten Jacksonville here. You give up 14, you give up 14 in the fourth quarter, and your offense couldn't sustain any drives whatsoever. So it is still a winnable schedule. And this team certainly is not as good as what people were kind of thinking after Tennessee, but it certainly can be as bad as what we're thinking right now after Jacksonville. It's really tough to find a consistency lever to where you can be good, but it's easy for this team to undo itself. It's easy for this team to screw itself. And too often yesterday, that's exactly what we saw. And that can't happen. Again, I've said this the entire time. There is zero wrong, nothing wrong with being competitive while you're rebuilding. Everybody understands the situation that you're in right now. All rebuilding. But there's nothing wrong with winning. And there's nothing wrong. And Gardner Minshew basically took it yesterday. I can't make those decisions. Talked about it after the game. And he's right. He can't. That's not who he has been so far. And we'll see if other teams, much like Cleveland with the number one defense coming in here on Sunday, if they basically do the same thing. They just can't get down the field. They don't have a legitimate threat. And if you take away the run, and listen, I kind of sit here and wonder. I know that they were trying to take away the run, but the Colts really didn't opt to go there Enough for us to really know. But certainly once they took away the short passes, which was incredibly evident, did it seem like this? Did it seem like every time the camera, there was a drop back from Menchu, it seemed like that there were like 22 dudes on the field for Jacksonville defensively. That's how you know that a team has you. That's how you know a team's defense has your offense, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. And it was incredibly disappointing. And you know what? Even thinking about that, let's go ahead and do some math here. They lost by 17. I mean, your quarterback throws it 55 stinking times, which I I think that's that's crazy. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's crazy. I know the situation they were in late, but 55 times for Garden Minshew? Who would have... <laughs> Who would ever draw up Gardner Minshew throwing it 55 times? Anybody out there? I know. He ended up with 329 yards. Three interceptions that were the worst that you could see. And it just can't happen with this group. 
again, we're going to view every single week, as we've talked about, as a winnable destination. We're not going to put our hands up and go, well, you know what, it is a rebuild. All right, you started out at 3-2. and two. You didn't look good. You gave up 37 to a team, honestly, offensively. I didn't think Jacksonville looked that great yesterday. Look at and that's where, like, the numbers can lie. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was 20 of 30, 181, and a couple of touchdowns. And one, again, that Christian Kirk I talked about was wide-ass open. But an interception, you know, Travis Etienne Jr. had 55 rushing yards and two touchdowns, uh, both of which it seemed like he wasn't touched. I know one, he was not touched. But you think about the offensive output, and it's not like that Jacksonville stomped on anybody offensively. The Colts just kept giving it to them. 17 rushers. Gardner Minshew had had two out of the pocket. Think about this for a moment. Zach Moss had seven carries. Jonathan Taylor had eight. They had 15. That's three less than Travis Etienne Jr. I don't care if you're running into a stinking brick wall. You got to test that more than what they did. And they didn't. So we'll talk about that if you like it. 239-1070. Incredibly disappointing. Three and three on the season, and you get the Cleveland Browns coming up on Sunday. But now, it's just way too easy to say, well, it's a rebuild, or they're just not that good. We're waiting until next year. Now, we didn't do that last year when it was an absolute circus, so we're sure as hell not going to do it this year when they've actually you know, won a game or two where you didn't expect it, and especially that game in Baltimore. So let's talk about that at 239-1070. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge, the Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. IU got big news yesterday about an incoming basketball player. We'll bring that up for you. Uh, The weekend for football between IU and Purdue was absolutely dreadful. I don't know if you guys want me to bring that up at all. Notre Dame, a big win over USC. I don't know about Caleb Williams, the generational talent. Anybody else? Don't know about it. The rest of the NFL weekend, we'll get to that too. little MLB I mentioned, a double dip in the AL and the NL coming up later on today. When Shula Spreadable Cheese's Lounge via YouTube Live, you can find people there communicating, watching, listening, enjoying, and here live at Twin Peaks. Hey, join me here. I'd love to see you. 5.30, remember. We bail. Pacers Hoops follows Colts Roundtable. 5.30 is when we're out of here. 239-1070. Quick break. We'll come back. Don't go anywhere on a Reaction Monday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead. Over there. I want to go over there. Move over, Swanson. I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For the Jaguars, empty set for Lawrence. Three receivers right, two go left. They're stacked with the line of scrimmage. Shotgun snap for the quarterback. Quick hitches, throws up field, picked off by the Colts. Here we go. Juju Brintz, his first career interception. Errant throw by Trevor Lawrence, and the Colts have a takeaway, doing damage to the Jaguars' offense, and the Colts begin in plus territory. So Matt Taylor right there yesterday, Colts lose on the road in Jacksonville in what was an incredibly disappointing game, to say the least. 37-20 was the final. You know, somebody had told me, is this just like a one-game blip? It just kind of seemed like everything went wrong in one game. No, it's not a one-game blip 
this is kind of what you're going to see. Like, there are going to be points to when they can beat teams that aren't as good or equal to them. Jacksonville is better than they are. I mean, this team is certainly now an even lower bar can be set, you know, given the quarterback situation. But you're going to be seeing that. You're going to be putting up with that the entirety of the season. It's just the part that I don't want and you don't want is doing it to yourself. That's what you don't want. That's what you can't have. And you shouldn't have that. Uh, and yesterday, it was an all-too-familiar sight. Hey, by the way, brought to you by the Shane Company. Fine jewelry since 1929. That is the Shane Company. I got time for you right now. Get your thoughts on yesterday. Hey, I'm not trying to either pop the balloon on Gardner Minshew, but that's just kind of the way that it's going to be. The thing that you can't have. All right, ineffectiveness, not being able to throw it down the field, understand that. That's who he is. That's who especially this team is with that lack of downfield threat. What you can't do is do it to yourself. You can't give it away four times, three on an interception, one on a fumble. You just can't have that happen. And that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, I know. I know, you know the whole mania thing. I get this. Hey, Jamie, you talked about the mania thing. Well, first of all, you talked about the mania thing because it's better than just all the time saying Gardner Minshew. I get that. But he has limitations. And this team cannot make up for his limitations. This team has limitations. And then if they put themselves in a bad situation by turning it over, by bad decisions, mental errors, like we saw defensively, a couple of different times in that first half with offsides penalties. You can't have that. And even against a soft schedule as it is the rest of the way, I mean, they, they are looked and viewed upon just like we're looking at the rest of their schedule too. You go, ah, you know what? It's not that great. That's exactly what others that are going to play here. That's what they're saying in Cleveland. That's what they're saying in New Orleans. That's what they'll say regarding Tampa Bay. It's the same thing. These all are like teams. It's just going to be the team that is fortunate to stay healthy, which clearly has already not happened for the Colts or the team that puts itself in the best situation. And the Colts, simply put, didn't do that. Coaching-wise, playing-wise, they did not do that yesterday. Uh, Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Remember, 5.30, we bail for Pacers. Pacers preseason versus the Atlanta Hawks. All right, let's do some calls here at 239-1070. My guy Fulton is on here today. Hello, Fulton. How are you? Hey, good to see you, JMB. How are you, man? Fantastic, Fulton. Thanks for the call, buddy. What's up? Well, never much. I sent you the email for the ticket. Oh, yeah. I, did I get it now? When did I you send so. it? I sent it um, last Friday. No, oh, you did. Well, I'll have to double back. I don't know yeah. if I've seen it, but I certainly will look for it, Fulton. I appreciate you doing that. It's very yeah. kind of you. And today is the um, 100th anniversary of Disney. They celebrating the uh, Disney celebration today. So Tipton, Indiana, and your performance. I think yep. we're two people that need to get together and check that out. My friend, yeah. absolutely. 
Yep. All right, Fulton, I'll find the email, man. Make sure you remind me, too, okay? Yeah, I will. (laughs) (laughs) It's Fulton. It's our good friend Fulton right there. Uh, JMV, I'm trying to call in today and make it a little extra tired, disappointed in the Colts. If the point was to get Anthony Richardson some experience, then the season is a complete failure. The roster is poor, so why should Chris Ballard still have a job? All right, here's the one thing that you might as well get off your mind right here. That ship has sailed. And I'm not here to defend the first six years at all. You know exactly how I feel. But coming on here or, you know, texting me or tweeting me or whatever, and I get it that's your opinion. I'm just trying to save you a little time and effort. He's going nowhere. He's going absolutely nowhere. This is going to be about this season on a weekend by weekend basis and how they play, what they can do. And no matter what happens, and I know some are going to say, well, it's just the media being, it's not the media being soft. It's the media understanding the situation. If it wasn't going to happen last year, it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. And really, logically, it's probably not going to happen for the next three. So I'm just trying to save you a little bit of time and a little bit of effort on that. Because he is going to be here making those decisions this past offseason. Jim Irsay gave him that vote of confidence. Whereas you go out and hire a new head coach, you look to the future for the quarterback, the vote of confidence was given to Chris. And that's where you are. And there is virtually nothing that is going to change that. What you can do, however, what you can do, and I have always said this regarding teams that, for example, in Vegas odds, six and a half or under, was the win total. I took the under, and I was pleasantly surprised when they were 3-2. and two. So right now, I'm probably still with this schedule. I don't know so much about what you saw from the quarterback play on the offense yesterday, but it still looks good compared to what we thought moving forward. But it is still, in terms of a team that surprises when everybody believes it is going to lose, it is much better, much more enjoyable to have that. And again, a three and two start to where we are in October, it creates a level in which if you just say, well, this is a bad team and, you know, week in and week out, they're going to lose. Certainly the better team was in Jacksonville yesterday was the Jaguars. But you talk about three interceptions, one fumble, 15 carries for two dudes, one you expect to do something in the future at some point, one that has been doing something. You let Jacksonville defensively dictate the terms. And then you said thank you very much by giving it back to them, by setting them up, setting them up deep in your own territory. I mean, think about these turnovers, too. With Gardner Minshew, how many of these happened in plus territory, where you could get something out of it, points of some sort out of it. This team cannot withstand that and will be held at that regard and should. Even if Vegas had them six and a half over under, even if I thought I would take the under, no matter what you thought, we're going by how they played yesterday. And that, that was an unacceptable level. 
They would say that. They would tell you that. And that's what we're going to tell you right here. Just as of right now, you can look at it as, you know, wide receivers, I understand. But with the decision-making moving forward, that's what you're going to judge. You're just judging what this looks like and how Shane Steichen and company put it together right now. That's your judge. We're going to have plenty of time to judge further down the road regarding Chris, and then you guys can all talk about whether or not he deserves to be here or shouldn't be here. And again, you know where I stand on that. But right now, it's about this team, the way that it played, the way that it was coached, the way that it was set up, and how Jacksonville really owned them yesterday. And Jacksonville didn't even play that well. Jacksonville came out and dictated terms after that first drive. Said, all right, we're going to take away these short passing situations. See what you can do with this. See if you can get it down the field. See if somebody can get it open down the field. They're unable to do that. If teams take that away, we're going to have a lot of Mondays in the future talking just like this. Because there is just not that ability. But you can't also give it away in the fashion in which the Colts did. And that is where we are. All right, 239-1070. Email address is jmv1075thefan.com. We'll save the conversation for decision-making, I think. That's nothing against that tweet right there. That's fine. But at the same time, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to look at that, soak that up, and figure that out again. But at the same time, you got to go with how they played yesterday, how they looked the week prior, and really all the way around. It's just, it was a bad day for this football team yesterday. You know, you talk about the ownership that Tennessee had in five games over the Colts and how that needed to change. And then you come back, and really, they, they got owned. I, I mentioned dictating terms. That's exactly what Jacksonville did yesterday. That's the most disappointing part. And you just kind of sat back and wondered why, you know, even if it got stoned, even if you ran into a brick wall 15 times for these guys, it didn't seem like a game plan that was going to go anywhere fast. And in fact, it didn't. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by the Shane Company, Made to Shine. That is the Shane Company. Quick break and we shall return live from Twin Peaks, Southside down in Greenwood, County Line and Madison Avenue. You can come and join us until 5.30 today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Colts have a little bit of life here. First and 10 on their own 41-yard line. Minshew on play action in the pocket. Now he's going to take a shot downfield for Michael Pittman Jr. Basket catch. He stumbles down after the reception to the 19-yard line. It's uh, Matt Taylor right there. Colts Radio Network roundtables coming up today at 5.30. Remember that 5.30 early because the Pacers and the Hawks are in preseason action tonight at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Southside Twin Peaks, our location today. Uh, you can join us. The ice cold beer is flowing. Great food here, by the way, too. And Twin Peaks on a Monday. you got baseball getting ready to start. ALCS in LCS. Game one is later on tonight. Game two, by the way, is this afternoon in the ALCS. That is me right here. That's my phone being loud, I think. No, it's not. 
What is that? Oh, it's this thing right here, isn't it? I think I got it. Was that on my laptop right there? Well done. Well done. Um, anyway, I wanted to read this to you really quick from George. The season is most likely a wash at this point. Might as well finish um, eight, nine, but for what? And I understand what you're thinking. I mean, you get back in that middling territory where you don't necessarily get the opportunity in selecting what you want. But I can't sit here and say, hey, hopefully they lose games. I, I've said I was tired of that long ago. And I know that it's different without Anthony Richardson and that threat of running the dual threat, the multi-threat with Gardner Menchu not being anywhere in that vicinity. But I'm sorry, I'm going to hold this team to playing on a weekend and week-out basis to a higher standard than that. I just am. I'm not going to sit here and hope that they lose or, hey, they lost. That's when you get back in the realm of entertaining losses, and I'm just not down with that. I am, with this team, holding them on, again, a game-by-game basis on how they play and not just simply saying, hey, it's for the betterment of a draft pick. Frankly, I sit here right now, I don't give a damn where they draft. I don't. But I do give a damn about how they looked yesterday and how you have to look better. They want to look better. They, you deserve them looking better. And even if Jacksonville, again, nine out of ten times would win that game, you cannot put yourself in that position. I'm not going to sit here and expect it. I don't want to talk about it on a Monday. But you don't just wash it clean in hopes of an April draft selection. This is about playing to the best of your ability. And even if they were going to be overmatched from a quarterback and or an offensive standpoint, really, Jacksonville didn't play that well. Jacksonville just came out and said, all right, this is how we're going to play you defensively, and you guys can't do anything about it. And the Colts didn't do anything about it except make mistakes. So that's how I look at it. I don't look at it as, and maybe you can get me when they draft or miss out on a draft selection, but sitting here right now, I'm just not going to conveniently say, well, I'm just going to wait to see where they draft because you don't want a middling. And guess what? You play games, you win games, you lose games, and this team has shown that they can give you a better performance. Yesterday was not it. Hey, Joe, quickly at 239-1070. Thanks for the call. How are you? I'm good. How are you, JMV? Outstanding, Joe. Thanks for the call. Yeah, my concern is going forward. I mean, Jacksonville's one loss. You're going forward, and either you or Jake had the commentator that does sports for Jacksonville down there. They were talking about Gardner Minshew's arm strength. Yeah. And that was the separation he had with Jacksonville. So now we're looking forward. There's a blueprint on what to do to, to beat Gardner Minshew. So we're either going to have to run the ball or find somebody to throw the ball long to. That's yeah. my biggest concern. No, and, and that's that's fair. And that is the concern. And thank you, Joe, for the call. I'm going to get into that coming up in the 4 o'clock hour because they don't have an answer for that right now. And then you get the best defense in your place in the NFL so far coming up on Sunday. That is certainly a call 
that we'll reference coming up on the other side. Again, Twin Peaks Southside will load up some calls. I got you, Stephen Holder, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Twin Peaks, Madison and County Line on a reaction Colts loss Monday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now it's fourth and goal at the two-yard line, and the Colts are going for it here. They break the huddle trying to get back into this game. They're down by 25 points. Fourth down at the two-yard line. Minshew out of the gun. Zach Moss is back to the right side. In motion is Michael Pittman Jr. to the right. Minshew going to pass on fourth down and goal. Fires it left side into the end zone. Josh Downs, touchdown! Josh Downs, his first career receiving score. It comes from Gardner Minshew, and it's now 31-12 in the fourth quarter. It's uh, Josh Downs. Uh, Matt Taylor, by the way, on the call. Josh Downs, 5 for 21, and that touchdown right there, his first in the NFL for the Colts. Michael Pittman Jr. had nine for 109 with a long of 40. We played that 40 in the highlight a little bit earlier. Colts lose 37 to 20, and really, uh, you look at the turnovers, and the killer was overall was that. And we, we you know, obviously pointed out. Um, the shortcomings on both sides of the football, whether we're talking about play or coaching. And I know that you guys are caught in the middle of, well, this team's not very good. And you're thinking about the future because we have pounded the future of Anthony Richardson to you. And you're caught between that and really wanting to see a team have a level of surprising success. And I get that. I do. Because I'm right there with you. And that's why when you come off of a game like that, you don't just sidestep it and say, hey, yeah, they're just not that good. And you don't turn it over three times through the air and then once via a fumble and then look at it and say, well, you know, that's the way that's supposed to be. I mean, you have to, you should. And you should want us to talk about this via a critical eye. All you got to do is look at the numbers, too. 33 for 55 for Gardner Menchu, a touchdown and three interceptions. That's ugly. And really, what's the most ugly right there outside of the three interceptions is the 55 attempts. What we're telling you is that once Jacksonville took away the short routes, that they had no answers. No answers. Are you telling me that nothing else could have worked? You just continue to do that as you were throwing interceptions, you know, in plus territory for you and your team, taking potential points off the board and doing that. Jacksonville's better. Jacksonville probably still would have won. But you have to hold this group still, and I would assume they would want that, to a higher standard than just putting your hands up and saying, well, you know what? The better team won, and we're not very good. I was so impressed last week with their response, their reaction. I know Tennessee's not that great either. And then you had some similar situations in Jacksonville, a long losing streak down there. That's been a house of horrors for them. And I did say horrors for them. And you were just looking for 
probably more than just a subtle change, and you got more of the same. It was just a different chapter in a novel that has been this team in Jacksonville, I mean, hell, for the better part of 10 years. That's just not acceptable. It shouldn't be acceptable. You should not want that to be acceptable. And that's, again, why we put this under the microscope and view it in a critical eye. And you can do that from the coaching standpoint, the decisions that were made, 15 rushing attempts between Moss and Taylor, you know, inexplicably. I know later on in the game when you get down, you're going to have to throw it. But, I mean, you could have mixed it in. And even if Jacksonville, which they firmly intended like they did in game number one, to take that run away. At least you checked it. They, they didn't check it. They didn't look at it. Like 15 between the two. Think about the games Zach Moss has had over the past three. Seven for 21. I thought Zach, Mo- Zach Moss to me was more prominent in the passing game. This guy had six receptions in the passing game. Seven targets in the passing game. To go along with seven carries. He had as many targets as carries. And he's not the first guy you think of catching the football. It was just a lot out of the way that they approached it. And Shane Steichen approached it that didn't make a great deal of sense yesterday. And it's just way too easy to say, well, you know, Gardner Minshew can't throw it down the field. And then you're screwed, which you probably are going to be just inexplicably not giving what should be at least something offensively that is as close to money as you have and not realistically looking at it. It's a head scratcher and should be criticized. All right, live at Twin Peaks on the south side, we're at Madison and County Line today on a Monday. Thank you very much for joining us, too. We'd love to see you here. And again, we get out of here at 5.30 today. So the Pacers and the Hawks play tonight at 7 o'clock. And remember, because I should say at, uh, yeah, at uh, 7 o'clock is when they tip. So that means Colts Roundtable starts tonight at 5.30. That's Matt Taylor, Joe Wrights, and Rick Venturi at 5.30 tonight. Stephen Holder's in the 5 o'clock hour. Some reaction time coming up in the 4. IU Nets, a big-time recruit. IU football's a mess. Purdue football was a mess. A combined the weekends for IU and Purdue football. There's the mess. Notre Dame got a good feeling. Caleb Williams didn't look too much like a generational talent in South Bend on Saturday night. They give Notre Dame all the credit in the world, but he didn't look good at all. MLB getting ready to go on. I think it's already underway. In fact, we'll get you a score in ALCS game number two. I watched a lot of that, if not close to all of it. Actually, 437, that game number two is coming up, Rangers and Astros this afternoon. But if you watch game number one, watch game number one last night, that was, to me, a thousand times more enjoyable than sitting there and watching the Giants and the Bills. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. I'll jump in there with you guys coming up in just a second and get a lot of your reaction. All right, 239-1070. To the phones we go. Fred's online, too. Fred, thank you for joining the show. How are you? How you doing, man? Fred, I'm good. What's up? Man, I'm disappointed in Shane Steichen, man. That was a 
horrible, a horrible game plan yesterday. I mean, we know what Gardner Minshew can do, man. So we got to pound them two backs, man. I was just horribly disappointed. Reminded me a lot of last year, man. Uh, a statue back there in the pocket, no balls going downfield, man. It made me want to turn the TV, man. Uh, they they let hey Fred they let Jacksonville dictate the terms and and really didn't have a great deal of resistance and, and especially in terms of winning you know when they had an opportunity of winning showed little to no resistance and then were their own worst enemies with the turnovers yes, I mean you, yes, you, you think about these turnovers. You know, in in Jaguars territory, it, um, it it's just I know that they're not that good, and I know a lot of people will look at this reasonably, but you still have to call it like you see it. And it was it was a bad game plan offensively. It was bad execution on both sides of the football, and it led to a, a really bad day in Jacksonville again for this football team. Yes, man. I mean, we brought Shane Steichen here for his offensive mind. That that was something I was uh, thanks for my coaches of the past, man. Uh, I was like I say thoroughly disappointed in what Shane Steichen put together yesterday. And uh, even during the game, man, when we see them taking away, they made no changes. Come on, Shane, let's do better, man. Yeah, fifteen. Thank you for the call, Fred. I appreciate it. Fifteen, and, and I, I highlighted targets for Zach Moss. Equaled running attempts for Zach Moss. So that to me tells you that you were, you were absolutely taking what Jacksonville was giving. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that if I were a part of that performance. And you go back to Ryan Kelly's words after the game yesterday. He said basically Jacksonville started out the game doing the same thing that they did in week number one. And that was a week one with Deion Jackson was the starter of running back. That was the 25 yards from running backs game for the Colts. And the difference was Anthony Richardson is out there. And this is something, this is something where Shane Steich is going to have to figure this out because there was a complete lack of respect for any type of athletic ability, any type of talent offensively for the Colts yesterday shown by the Jaguars' defense. As soon as they took away the short passes, the Colts were basically done or forced into making mistakes that helped them be done. You got to find something else in what they continuously tried 55 passing attempts for Gardner Menchu. 55. Should not and cannot happen. No, he's not going to get subbed out for Sam Ellinger. But you have to come up with something else. And listen, maybe everything ends up getting stonewalled and... You know, the best defense in the NFL right now does something similar to you coming up on Sunday when Cleveland is here. And that's just what you lose when you lose that athleticism of Anthony Richardson. I mean, you could tell yesterday 
it was, you know, we're going to go man to man and we're not worried about anybody getting outside. And in, that was the difference in, in week number one. You had that threat of Richardson and they understood that even without seeing him play an NFL game to that point, they understood that. But man, it was about a team. And I've mentioned this dictating terms defensively to the Colts and the Colts on the field and on the sideline had zero answers. And then you can also, as Fred pointed out, look at the start of that game and kind of wonder, coaching-wise, where they thought they were going with that plan in the first place. Brian's up next at 239-1070. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Outstanding. Well, I just, um, I've had the same complaint. I mean, even with Dungey, I thought Dungey was a little overrated with the cover two. Just the cover two is just basically a glorified prevent. I mean, Gus Bradley, 28th in defense. Last year, they basically quit on him. I mean, they, you know, 30, Dallas, 35 points, and Minnesota, 30-something points in the second half, and Dallas, 30-something in the fourth quarter. I mean, it just, they got better talent than that, but they're so soft. You know, the linebackers are seven yards off the ball. You know nobody's coming on the blitz. The, the, line, the O-line is not confused. The quarterback is not confused. I mean, it's it's ABC football, and they're not high school. They're not sophomores in high school. I mean, they're paid professionals. You have to come up with something that's going to possibly confuse your opponent, give him something to think about, not ABC football. Yeah, you know what? And, and thank you, Brian, for the call. They may still, and I would suggest they're still going to lose yesterday. But did it feel like that they, they went down exhausting everything, and especially – in terms of what really had worked best offensively. I'm not trying to get back to the days of run the damn ball or anything like that. But what I am telling you is when, especially at the beginning of the game, you ignore it in the fashion in which you did, or just kind of give in to the man on man in Jacksonville that says, hey, we don't trust that you can do anything else. So we're going to sit on this. Even if you don't gain a yard, the fact that you didn't early in that game give that much of a try, that's why I talked about the beginning of the game. You kind of understood you wanted to go down the field. You know, you were dinking and dunking, as I called it a little bit earlier. You were nine for nine. That ended up in the field goal. But then once Jacksonville took that away, you're here to tell me that you had no other options. They just kept doing the same thing, trying to do the same thing. And then Minshew, I've heard this, and I don't necessarily know if I believe it or not, but, you know, Minshew's going back to a place where they dealt him away. You know, maybe he put a little bit too much focus in on all these guys want payback in situations like this, and we all do. We all want payback to a place that felt as if you weren't adequate enough to be a part of it and sit you someplace else. It's just human nature to reasonably believe that most will respond like that. But up until that point, Gardner Minshew had been the cool and collected, the sound decision maker. He just made some of the most horrific throws and decisions in those three interceptions. And if you look back on it, it's not like they came with a great amount of pressure. I'm not suggesting he didn't get pressured over the course of the afternoon because he did. 
but it didn't come with a great amount of pressure. He just made some of the more boneheaded throws that you were going to see, and that can happen. We may very well find out that this team is going to be incapable of doing anything else. You know, maybe this is Jacksonville, you know, showing the rest of the teams on the Colts schedule. This is how you completely shut them out is doing this. Because as much as everybody talked about Gardner Minshew, he doesn't have the arm talent nor the talent at receiver at skill position to get past when you sit and try to choke out the running game, when you sit and try to take away those quick routes, those short passes, that they can do absolutely nothing else. You know, maybe this is a blueprint. And we'll find out, I think, as soon as Sunday. Because you know that Cleveland, uh, I believe Jim Swartz is their defensive coordinator right in Cleveland right now. I mean, you can imagine they're going to have a hell of a field day. Hell of a field day looking at that, um, that film from yesterday. You just thought a different start, different blueprint, may have worked a little bit better offensively, and it did not. Again, nine out of ten times, the Colts would have lost, I'm sure, a game just like that in Jacksonville. You're just really disappointed because, in large part, you felt that they did it to themselves. Did Jacksonville score 17 off of turnovers yesterday? I think that was ultimately the margin of victory for them, too. And we're still sitting in a a place, a spot in which you would like to see this Colts team win, and they did absolutely nothing yesterday that gave you belief that they had a chance. Even when they started to close in late in that game. You know, I had mentioned, yeah, the mania is over, and the mania looked over yesterday. That's when you count on a guy that you hired as the coach, as an offensive mind, to figure something out because you know exactly the Browns are going to be sitting on this coming in here on Sunday. All right, 239-1070. John is on the show next. John, thank you for the time. How are you? Good. How are you doing? John, I'm fantastic. Thank you for the call. Hey, I don't know uh, if you've talked about it yet. Did you see those two passes by Penix to win the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was on while I was working. Yeah, it yes. was pretty awesome. He, he tucked one in, that first one, like a 30-yard bomb. I don't know if how many NFL guys could have put that one in there. He has a, an incredibly strong left-handed throw, he does, Michael Penix. And may, yeah. may right now, I guess, be a front-runner for the Heisman with what happened to Caleb Williams on yeah, Sunday. That was a or Saturday, game, I should say. I think, if that was a national game, I think it's got to help him. No, yeah, well, he's he's hey, he's firmly on the radar anyway, and so is his football yeah. team. And you know, it, when you look at it, you, you watch, you know, Williams, and I'm just using him as an example, not all of the candidates out there, but you lose Williams as the example. You know, looking, you know, bad throwing the football against Notre Dame, and then you know Washington ends up coming from behind and and winning that game in the fashion in which they did. Nationally speaking, a lot of people probably think that right now Michael Penix is the guy. We'll see. Still a lot of season to go, but you know, he had a really good late Saturday afternoon in Seattle. Yeah, it was nice. That's all I got. Thanks. Thank you very much, John, right there. Yeah, Michael Penix. I know that hurts IU fans. I, I guess it should. I don't know what hurts IU fans more. That, it's funny. I think more IU fans probably watch him play for Washington and hope for the best. 
from him. And, you know, watching his coach as well, you probably hope for the best now with Washington more than it makes you sick that he's no longer here because you know what he is doing there is not going to be the case in what is happening in Bloomington. Man, between Bloomington, between IU on the road and Ann Arbor, giving up 52 straight, and then Purdue at home against Ohio State, it was an absolute ugly Saturday. Now, where to begin on any of that, and you guys logically probably don't even want me to talk about it. I seriously don't blame you at all. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Brought to you by Win Schuler's Spreadable Cheeses. WinSchuler's.com for recipes today. It's from Alex. I don't think I have ever seen an NFL quarterback throw a ball like that second interception. It, uh, it looked like it was shot from the air. We're celebrating, or at least close to celebrating. You guys grow up playing the Nintendo video game Duck Hunt. Anybody out there play Duck Hunt? I think we're in the last two or three days. Thank you, Glenn of celebrating the anniversary of the release of the Nintendo video game Duck Hunt, that's what that looked like. It looked like it was shot out of the air. It was that ugly. Not only did you wonder how it fluttered sideways in that fashion, you wonder why he's throwing it. That's what occurred to me. I tweeted this yesterday afternoon. It was just... Every single decision after that initial drive, did it not when you were watching Gardner Minshew? And I I know that everybody's going to think that you're just piling on Minshew. He's the quarterback of a team that was disappointing yesterday, and a lot of that's going to be on his shoulders with three interceptions and 55 opportunities and a 37-20 loss. That in mind, did you not feel cringeworthy every single time after that initial drive Minshew looked down the field and if it was more than just the snap and an immediate throw you got to feeling as if that thing was going to be picked and rightly so rightly so now Alex I don't know if I've ever seen a ball that had not been deflected look like that Royce writes this, it seems last week in a win, Colts fans were questioning, should they go with Gardner as the starter and let Anthony Richardson sit for a few weeks? Now, everyone thinks he sucks. He's a backup for a reason. Well, what you saw yesterday, Royce, you saw a a team that prepared for Richardson and you saw the Colts be able to do some things good through three quarters in week one offensively with Richardson back there. He is a threat that you have to account for. They felt that the Colts downfield on the outside had nobody that needed accounted for. And that's a problem, Royce, that's going to be ongoing. And that's why you got to have your guy figure something out here. And certainly he didn't have any answers yesterday. Quick break and we shall return Twin Peaks. We're on the south side. We're at Madison and County Line. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour for his response to that. Anthony Richardson. See if he ends up getting that surgery, if that's the direction in which they opt. That was something Ian Rappaport reported yesterday morning, something we actually talked about as an option late last week, too. We'll talk about that with Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. I'll tell you what, right now, too, 239-1070. If you want to go to the Bullseye Event Center on Sunday before the Browns game, 
Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Hey, caller 9 at 239-1070 right now. I'm going to give you a chance to go. 239-1070. All you can eat, all you can drink inside the Bullseye Event Center with bullseyeeventgroup.com. Doors open at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Go ahead. 239-1070. Give yourself a chance to go with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's third and eight. Lawrence boots to the left side. Being chased by the Colts and nabbed down by Samson Ebicom. Lawrence got rolled up all the way back to the 34-yard line. He's down the field. That's a great hustle play by Samson Ebicon. It's uh, Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi right there. Of course, a part of Colts Roundtable. 5.30 today for that. We're live at Twin Peaks on the south side, Greenwood location. Thank you for joining us on uh, what is not as exciting and enjoyable as it was this time last week. Talking about a win last week and talking about a decisive loss yesterday, 37-20 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And really what was, it was a mammoth game going in. Made no mistake about that. Um, and, And the Colts just never were a threat and I've mentioned this a couple of different times. You just hate it. And I know what you're thinking. Ah, the Colts aren't very good. Ah, the Colts, what did you expect? I expected better from the play and the execution on the field. I expected better from the coaching. 55 throws from Gardner Menchu. Like him or not, if you believe in the mania or not, or still do, 55 throws has to mean a big-time Colts loss. There's no other way to look at that. If I were to tell you prior to that game, well, you know, Gardner Minshew is going to throw it 55 times, how would you have put together the outcome? With that lone thought in mind, of course you would say they would lose, and they would lose by a considerable margin. No other way to look at it. Two things. I didn't think, and it's okay to be critical of coaching blueprint just as much as we do with player execution. I didn't think that coaching-wise, they were put in a great position of thought, and then certainly the execution wasn't there on the other side of that. I expected more. I didn't expect that. Is that I've been trying to find ways to explain it to those that just say, hey, you know what? They're not very good. What do you expect? I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. And I would be equally disappointed if Cleveland's able to do the same thing. If there is not a, a better choice, a better advance for this team, positionally speaking, to give them an opportunity, much more of an opportunity they had today. And I kind of viewed the one thing that I didn't do this week, and I don't know if you noticed this. Some of you did because you came at me yesterday about it. A lot of you suggested, hey, this is a much more important game than last week. So why did you not suggest this were a must win? I didn't suggest that because I didn't think they were going to win. 
I thought it would take, and it was going to take a hell of a lot more than what we saw for them to win that. I mean, you can't play looking like that and win. I felt that they they would and did beat Tennessee. I didn't think that going in. However, that does not excuse the level of coaching that up and preparedness for what they were going to get. And then the level of execution and the mistake-ridden game that we saw on the field. That's how I view it. That's how I look at it. Was that way. Yeah, people told me, and maybe this is true. People said, hey, you know, with the defense that they were playing, they weren't going to be able to run the football anyway. Do you honestly think, though, 55, or check that, 15 times between two guys that you believe in, and you have seen at least one give you that type of production that's necessary for this team. And if you want to call consistently in the last three weeks, then okay. But 15 times between the two and then 55 throws. And we know this, the throws were there well before this game got out of hand. It's not like you can't blame it on, well, you know what, they, they got – so far ahead, and you were forced to throw the ball. That's how they came out. That's how they came out. And then once Jacksonville took that away, it was hard to really understand what the Colts were trying to do. And that's the fault. That's the fault of the players on the field. And, again, a coaching situation that was probably not one that you would ride home about. We all can understand that. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Win Schuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. Win Schuler Spreadable Cheeses. By the way, shout out to the Meyer location in Plainfield that evidently has it. I know some of you are still striking out with the Win Schuler Spreadable Cheese, but Meyer in Plainfield, you did not. WinShulers.com for the varieties and the recipes that you're looking for today. It's from John Buzzer, JMV, with both IU and Purdue getting throttled by Ohio State and Michigan, really shows the divide in the Big Ten right now. Not just a lot of parity. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan in full control. Not sure if that's great for the conference outside of TV money. I, I just remember this being the case most of the time. I think the problem that you have with both IU and Purdue is the fact that you were non-competitive at all. You didn't look like that for IU other than, you know, that first that first score getting out 7 nothing. You didn't look like you belonged on the same field and the same goes for Purdue. That to me was the bigger problem. In it all. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. JMV, you're right about that wounded duck. That thing was ugly. It was. JMV, might be worth mentioning, if you haven't, to all the Reich homers that he just lost the play-calling headset in Carolina. Uh, he said he wasn't going to give it up. Here's the other thing, too, regarding Frank Reich. I don't think anybody – like, that is so far away. You are now in Shane Steichen territory, and you just expected – better than what you got yesterday was the equivalent of beating your head against the wall and like I said it's easy to say you didn't have any answers because clearly that you didn't but you just kept trying to do the same damn thing with a quarterback certainly that decision making wise was not at his best 
Not his finest moment. Didn't think it was a fine moment for really anybody yesterday. All right, 239-1070. Daryl's up next, coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. Daryl, hello, how are you? Good, how you doing, John? Good to hear from you, man. Congratulations on your Lions. Yeah, they uh, they looked pretty good yesterday. Hey, uh, yeah. do, we, do we need to be worried that this quarterback may not be able to take the, the, the hits in, in the NFL as much as he's been injured over the last five games? You're talking about Richardson in terms yeah. of the future yeah. and wondering? No, there's, yeah. there's, uh, there's going to be, until you see it consistently, him being out there, there's always going to be a, a reasonable and a rational concern of that. Yeah. What's the latest? I, I didn't, wasn't able to listen to your show. He, uh, it, it's basically what Shane Steichen alluded to last week when they haven't made a final decision and surgery is still on the table. And, and I remember I was in the press box uh, when that happened. I said, this, to me, is going to end up being something where he goes on IR, they take a little time to make the decision, and at some point pull the plug on the season, he gets surgery and his season's over. And all that, that's going to magnify everybody's concern. And there's just no way around it. And, and it's reasonable. I mean, if I didn't think it was reasonable, I would, I would say so. But you just, you, you don't have a body of evidence right now that really would suggest otherwise. Really, the only thing you can go on is, well, he's 21. He's 21 and still has a ways to go. And that, that question is going to be there, and that question is going to be magnified if you don't see him back again this year. Uh, if, if this team plays the way they did against, uh, against Cleveland next week, they're going to get run right out of the stadium. Because that Cleveland defense is a lot tougher than what they played this past Sunday. Well, I'm t- they're number one, I think, right now in the NFL, are they not? Yeah. Jim Schwartz, yeah. defensive coordinator in that Cleveland defense. Yeah. yeah. If you watch any of what Jacksonville did and what Jacksonville tried to take away, what Jacksonville was just willing to give up that the Colts couldn't come up with whatsoever, then, yeah, it would seem to be problematic. No doubt. All right, John. Thanks for taking my call. Dale, I appreciate that. Twin Peaks, Southside, Madison, and County Line. That's where we're going to be coming up later on this week as well. Hey, by the way, too, Pacer fans, you get Pacer preseason games tonight. You get the Hawks and you get the Pacers tonight at Gamblers Fieldhouse. That's why we're bailing at 530. Colts roundtable at 530, 630. Your pregame coverage right here of the Hawks and the Pacers. That tip time is at 7 o'clock. John is up next at 239-1070. Hello, John. Hey, JMV. Yo. Hey, man. Uh, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, you know. You know me, I'm the, I'm the edge boy. I love my edge and I love my Miami Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Why can we not see a little more of a double dual threat in the backfield with these boys? I um I know this. I mean, it, it's Jacksonville did. I, I was talking to Rick Venturi earlier today, and he goes, if you watch, they, they went heavy man early. And that's what Ryan Kelly said after the game. They did basically the same thing they, they did against the Colts in that initial game in week number one at Lucas Oil Stadium. But then later in the game, they, they went to zone, and it, it just – they were trying to take away the run, and then they ended up taking away the short pass. And it was later on in the game when they, they played a lot of zone in that second half. And I, I understand that they were trying to take away the run. I just wonder why 
it was not as tested as it was. And maybe you end up running into a brick wall and a one-yard gain or a loss of one. But 15 carries in all, I think, just magnifies exactly. I, I didn't really understand how they were were trying to start after that first drive, I guess. And I, I guess that also, to me, it puts under the microscope the fact that if a team comes out and is able to do to you and take that aspect, take away Minshew and short throws, take away the running game, then they just have zero to make it up. Zero way to make well, it, it up. And then that yesterday, that was when I talk about things being magnified, that was certainly magnified yesterday. True, but here's the thing is, over the years, even back with the Reich era, you know, when you had two good running backs, and you had Naeem Hines and even Jonathan Taylor together, you never put them in the backfield together. You had that dual hmm. threat, that craziness. I mean, you don't have Anthony Richardson right now, so why not give that extra threat of a run either side, either way, and make the defense question, is it going that way or is it that? Yeah, I, 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 and thank you for the call. I'm not certain they're going to do anything like that. I do wonder how they're going to handle a defense that right now is number one of the NFL and a defense that's going to come in and watch what Jacksonville did and say, hey, you know, your quarterback's going to have to beat us. You know, your receivers are going to have to get open and beat us down the field. I think even beyond, and I, I know that I spent a lot of time talking about how you should have gone more with the running backs I don't know if I would be suggesting at all going too back. What I'm suggesting is at some point you're going to have to try to get it down the field with your guys or you're not going to be able to. And what also really screws this up, like him or loathe him right now, is the fact that, that Alec Pierce came away with an injured shoulder yesterday. And by the way, Kylan Granson in concussion protocol so there's a hybrid, and we all know most of the time what happens if you go into concussion protocol what happens the Sunday after that. So that's problematic to look at until they're capable of giving somebody a threat outside, which they no longer have that ability without Anthony Richardson until they're able to develop that threat. You're probably going to see something similar Sunday and then further down the road than what you saw yesterday from Jacksonville. And there's any you know, people talk about, well, it's a copycat league. It's not that tough to figure out why the Colts couldn't get anything going yesterday. It was just, I think, tougher to figure out why they just continued to beat their head against the wall in that fashion. And that's something you get a week, and you're going to have to figure out. We'll see if the Colts are able to figure that out. And maybe, again, maybe just come up with a simple fact that they just don't have the guys to do that right now. Uh, Jonathan, quickly before the break. Jonathan, hello. Hello, JMV. Um, I, I heard what he suggested about split backfield. Nobody does that anymore, no matter how good your two running backs are. Just wanted to be clear. Somebody brought that up to me yesterday, and that's, it's old school, but you'd have one less blocker and one less target. But anyway. Like I said, like I told him, they're not going to go with anything that drastic. I just think they're just going to have to figure out ways to get down the field with a team that's not good at it. So. Yeah, well, that's kind of why I brought up Jelani Woods to you because I was concerned he might not come back from that hamstring injury. I think he could be an X-factor type of threat that they really needed. But I, what I thought yesterday, um, the only way I could make sense out of what Steichen was doing is that he wasn't afraid of 
um, Jacksonville's defense. He was afraid of his own defense blowing it, and we saw why. Like, Juju Brents had a horrible day, but yeah. I think they were throwing so much. They wanted the mentality of we're down seven to begin the game. You know, let's let's keep being aggressive, and they won't be able to uh, stop the short stuff. And in week one, when, when uh, he made his debut, Anthony Richardson had 30 – that's 37 attempts, and I thought that was ridiculous too. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're good against the run, and you can't, you know, you can't pretend that you are making progress with the run game when it's just not there. It's just, it's just one of those things. I think we were going to win. Uh, I mean, we were going to lose no matter what. But no, no. That's why I said nine out of ten times you're going to lose that. It's just the the fashion in which they did and turning it over. And not really finding any – trying any new direction to go was a little concerning. But, yeah, it way too many yeah, mistakes but, in that situation. But you're right. Nine out of ten times they would have lost that anyway. We, we could have we really stayed in it if we had been more patient with ourselves. I don't think that anything Jacksonville did was frustrating enough to panic like we did in the first or second yeah. quarter. So. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Jonathan, for the call, man. You call anytime. Quick break, we'll come back. Twin Peaks, we're on the south side in Greenwood with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. This is going to be a real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder's going to join us top of the hour from ESPN. Again, Kylan Granson into concussion protocol. Well, I'm sure talk about that and what is going to be that Browns defense coming into town on Sunday for the Colts. Twin Peaks on the south side. Thank you all for joining us. I know that it's not a fun Monday like we had last week, but with the team that loses in a fashion in which the Colts did, that's where we are right here. By the way, later on this week, the free spirit, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots on Thursday. I did really well. In my selections this weekend, my fantasy team stunk big time. I am like lingering under 500 early in the season for the first time in a long time. I keep losing by like a point or a half a point. Not good. Not good whatsoever. Stephen Holder on the other side. You know, some of the answers maybe the Colts could have found. And how about trying to find those down-the-field answers in the future? Is it possible? Stephen Holder is going to join us of ESPN coming up on the other side. Twin Peaks, Southside, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Freezer. Three. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Minshew airing it out far sideline has a man underneath the Kylan Granson great catch basket grab and then he's hauled down inside the 30 yard line of the Jaguars to the Jacksonville 27 yard line Matt Taylor right there the voice of the Colts Coastal loser yesterday Uh, disappointing all the way around and again nine out of ten times you're going to see the Colts lose that game. But, man, it just kind of seemed like that whatever Jacksonville defensively wanted the Colts to get into, that's exactly the direction the Colts went. I mean, just dictated terms all afternoon. Hey, by the way, game two, best of seven ALCS. Last night, Rangers got off with a win. Game number one of the best of seven. 
Uh, they have put up four in the top of the first inning. They lead in Houston. They lead the Astros 4 nothing again. ALCS game number two underway this afternoon. The NLCS with the Phils and the Diamondbacks at game one comes your way later on this evening. Meantime, Twin Peaks, Southside Greenwood. That's at uh, County Line and Madison here on the South Side. Great scratch food, ice cold beer per usual. Twin Peaks is the location here. Love to have you join us. If not, certainly maybe find yourself a little lunch or dinner around here in Greenwood soon. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, ESPN, ESPN.com, Stephen Holder, he does join us. So nine out of ten times I suggested that Jacksonville would, would win that game. It just seemed like that once Jacksonville, as I mentioned earlier, Stephen, dictated those terms, the Colts kept beating their head against the wall with things they're incapable of doing. How problematic is that moving forward with Gardner Minshew and this offense is the way that that game went down defensively for Jacksonville yesterday? Because if people didn't already know, they sure as hell would know right now, future matchups with the Colts-wise. Yeah, I, I think in the couple of games that Gardner Minshew has started, you have seen a very clear defensive approach from the opponent. You saw it against Baltimore. You saw what they did. They pressured him, and they – I mean, they do that anyway. But they knew that that he's not great at escaping pressure, so they sent those blitzes. They never picked them up, and it was a problem throughout the day. They had to kick five, you know, thousand-yard field goals to, to win that game. <laughs> so – that was very clear. I think yesterday in Jacksonville, there was also a very clear approach uh, by the Jaguars, and it was basically, look, we're going to pack in the front, and we're not going to let you run it. And so the Colts did the right thing. So I don't get it. I don't necessarily have a problem when you say dictating terms. Now that they are dictating the terms, that's true. However, when it's so decisive, you have to take what they give you. And if you got seven men right in your face, the the worst thing you can do is run the ball in that scenario, right? So you got to take what they give you. And and the Colts knew it was coming. That's why their first possession was basically scripted to just throw the ball repeatedly. I think they threw it, I don't know, uh, maybe fourteen times, you know, in the first quarter or something. So. You know, they they came out anticipating this, and they were right because the Jaguars had done it before. What I'd say is that they did the right thing. The problem is you've got to be able to count on your quarterback not to screw it up. And ultimately, with three turnovers, that's screwing it up. And and the Colts did try to run, and it just didn't get them anywhere when they did. I know it wasn't enough for some people, but I'm just telling you, uh, it, it wasn't going anywhere in those opportunities they did take to run. So – in the end, you're down 31-6 at some point. You know, it's going to be basically pass, pass, pass at that anyway. So, anyway, I, I don't know, man. It, they've got to figure out a way to to play around Gardner Minshew. I hate to say it because this is what teams are going to do to him. So, Stephen Holder of ESPN. I, I'm one of those that wish they would at least take in a couple of other opportunities to run it. Um, and it probably still would have failed, um, as all the other points seemingly it did. But it just, to me, they went nine for nine in that first drive. And, you know, they were throwing all those short passes. And as soon as Jacksonville stepped up and took that away, his ball game, 
There's because they have no no other options. And you mentioned trying to work around Gardner Minshew. I, twofold here for me. I don't know how you're going to do that with the personnel <laughs> yeah. on this team. And then I don't know how you're going to do that if the Gardner Minshew that shows up yaks it up three times in interceptions and then fumbles once. I, I, and, and I don't know how other teams don't look at that and go, okay, well, until they find a different way to do things here, this is exactly how this is going to be played. Yeah, I, I think the turnovers really are the key here. I, I mean, we're talking about Gardner Minshew in, these, in sort of this, this grand um, global way that we're talking about it. But I think what we should be doing is talking about the turnovers because there were 17 points off the turnovers. They scored, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, they scored off of each one of them, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. that's the game, honestly. And that's because, the margin you know, of victory, too, by the way, too. So, yeah. so you know. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the sack fumble, that gave them a short field, so the defense is at a disadvantage. And so I think right there they score pretty quickly, and then they turned around and scored again in short order after that. And that's when it starts to spiral out of control on you. You can't have Gardner Minshew playing from behind. I mean, I know there were times in, in uh, Baltimore, excuse me, when, when that was the case, but you also got stellar defensive plays that were just huge. And to be completely honest, uh, Lamar Jackson played into their hands in that game at times. You know, that's just is what it is. You got to have some help sometimes. And so in this case, for the most part, Trevor Lawrence, you know, just kind of let it come to him and didn't give him much to work with. He had the one pick, but other than that, I mean, he, the, the, the Jaguars said, all right, we're not going to force it. We're going to let our, our defense make it hard on them and, and make Gardner Minshew make the inevitable mistakes. And their game plan worked to perfection. Now, that won't work every week if the quarterback doesn't make the mistakes, but, but they were counting on him doing that, and it, it paid off for them. So I think – to, to answer your question, how do they do it? I think they have to – well, Gardner Minshew just can't make the mistakes. That's the first thing. Um, and then secondly, they got to call some turnovers of their own. That's the other thing. They, they have to kind of shift – the defense is going to have to shift things a little bit and put the advantage back in their hands. Because if you're playing with Gardner Minshew and you're giving him the advantage of, of the turnover battle – if he doesn't turn it over and you're giving him takeaways, now you have something to work with. But I just think when, when you lose a turnover battle and your, your defense isn't really coming up with a lot of huge plays, even though they were fine, it's not great. Uh, I don't think that's going to be enough. So Stephen Holder's with us. Uh, concussion protocol for Kylan Granson. I mean, he's a guy that, that can give you options and an opportunity. Injury situation for Alec Pierce. It seems like we're moving in the direction where you, you hope to have some weapons and maybe do something different if you're Gardner Minshew in this offense. But, you know, already you have this lack of, of you know, a, a higher level uh, skill position talent, and it dwindles via injuries and concussion protocols we move forward here. Well, I'll say that depth was always my – my concern about this team, uh, particularly on offense, and I, do, I would say on offense and in the secondary, and the depth has been tested at both of those spots, frankly. <laughs> you know, and, and so here we are. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that this is creating a problem. And look, I mean, wide receiver in particular, I don't know Alec Pierce's status. We don't really know where he stands 
uh, that was a pretty painful injury. He was having a hard time with it in the locker room yesterday when I when I talked to him. I mean, he he indicated that he didn't think it was too bad, but you know, players always are optimistic. So I guess we'll see. But anyhow, uh, they they don't have a ton of depth at wide receiver, and we knew that coming in. I think what they have done at wide receiver so far has been adequate. Pittman, Downs, and and I think at times at times. Alec Pierce, I know people are down on him to some degree, but he has stepped up at times. And so that has been adequate. But now when you take one of those guys out of the equation, now I feel very pessimistic about it <laughs> because you need, you need all three. They all have a role. They all have a very specific role. If you take one of them out, well, and that's the one guy you have to worry about beating you down the field is Alec Pierce. So you take that away, that changes the complexion of things. So, you know, tight end, they do have better depth. So we'll see what happens with Granson. I'm not as as concerned about that in the in the grand scheme, although I do think he is key to their their offense. But uh, but they can at least weather it there. But wide receiver, not feeling great about that. Stephen Older's with us. Do you think that the, the reason why that they looked really good in the first three quarters in week number one against Jacksonville, and you can make the argument that they were the better team in those first three quarters. Was that all about you know, new season game one and a combination of having to deal with, with Anthony Richardson, of which you didn't have that on Sunday? Is that, I guess, is that a big example of the effect that he has? And when you take that away, just the effect that other teams defensively don't have to deal with? Yeah, look, I mean, having Anthony Richardson early this season was always going to be in the Colts mind in their minds collectively. That was always their biggest advantage, not just because of Anthony Richardson, the player, but because of what he enabled them to do. They had some element of surprise. They had all kinds of wrinkles that they could throw out there. Uh, There were probably things I'm sure there are things that we had not seen from Shane Steichen with Anthony Richardson yet because they hadn't got to it yet. I mean, he hadn't played that much. And and you're always holding back, you know, sort of your, your wild card type of plays. And I'm sure there are many such plays that we just hadn't seen yet because they hadn't had a chance. And so those are now eliminated for you. You know, you can't run those. You, you've got to run a, a much more conventional offense. I mean, look at how much more – pre-snap motion and and I'm not talking just regular pre-snap motion I'm talking about you know some of that swinging gate motion you see with with uh with downs and different things like that you see all those things uh all that window dressing with Anthony Richardson because it plays into what they do with Anthony Richardson (laughs) okay uh here with Gardner Minshew it doesn't have the same effect you can run those motions and you can have all this window dressing, but ultimately uh, the quarterback's not going to be, he's not going to move very much. He's going to be generally pretty stationary. And a lot of that is dependent on the quarterback moving around, moving the pocket, rolling out quarterback run, whatever it is. And all that stuff is, I don't want to say completely off the table, but it's, it's largely eliminated now. So it, to, to answer your question, it just, it, you're calling a completely different game because your quarterback is like one of them was from like Saturn and the other one's from like Mercury. They're completely different guys. Like could not be more different. 
Stephen Olner of ESPN on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, so what's your thought on the probability that we see Anthony Richardson again this year or the option here that's going to be taken by the Colts and Richardson is to opt for surgery that will end his season? I, I had said in the press box, and I, who knows, at that time when he got injured, I thought, and I, I was actually telling people, and I was talking to you as well, about how this reeks of a situation to where you know, they're going to take time, four-week window on IR, and then decide, hey, we're going to go ahead and opt for a surgery that will end his season. Where are you with that in mind as far as that decision, which is looming here for the Colts and their rookie quarterback? Well, first off, I mean, as of yesterday, I talked to people at the game yesterday, and everything we knew from earlier in the week, and I know there were reports yesterday, the truth is nothing's changed. Literally nothing has changed. Everything that was reported, we already knew because, as you just outlined, right, they were already weighing all of these options. Shane Steichen said it last week. He, he said surgery is an option. Um, him being out for the season is an option. I mean, they, they don't know. And really, here's how this is going to work. And I don't know when the, what the timeline for a decision is. I can't say that. But, but what they're doing is two things. If you allow some time, you can kind of see how the healing is progressing. Uh, he can maybe start some rehab, and, and you can see whether it's taking effect. I mean, I, I won't go any further than that medically because I don't know enough. But it at least gives you a, a better picture of what's happening, and you can make a more informed decision. And so I don't think there's any rush. I mean, if he, if he does undergo the surgery, it does sound like, if that's season ending, you know, there's no need for him to rush out and do it tomorrow. Uh, you know, I think it's let's let's make sure we have all the information, take our time and do this right. But I will tell you this, they're not rushing this kid back into the lineup for the sake of this season. And that's not about tanking. It's not about any any of that. It's about what this franchise has been through in the past. Very, very frankly, it's about that. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about number 12. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, and I'm not suggesting that they screwed up the last time. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is the way it played out with Andrew Luck, you can't help but question the decisions that you made. So this time <laughs> you need to make sure that you make the right decisions. I mean, this is not hard. And this is this is true of anything in life. So they, they cannot screw this up. They know that there's too much on the line. And, and I think everybody from Shane Steichen to Jim Irsay understands that as much as they want to see this kid on the, on the field this season, it ain't worth it. You know, get it right if that's what it takes, and we'll start this again next year if we have to. Hi, what do you think the level of thought is that there, there really is, Stephen, an option that he gets back? Whether you're talking about after a four-week basis, you know, three more games, or, you know, after the bye week, which comes after Frankfurt, Germany, I guess. What, is, that, is that really they believe that he can come back and, and play again and play throughout the season? Or what, what do you think, if there is a lean, where might you think, in your opinion, that lean would be? It's, it, I would say it's impossible to say, but uh, here's what I'd say. If he does come back, and, and that will be dependent on – you know, on, on how he's how he's recovering, right? If he does come back, they will be extremely conservative 
on the timeline for the same reasons I just outlined. And let's, let's go back and talk about Andrew Luck for a second. Andrew Luck and the team collectively, after the 2015 injury, they collectively decided we're not going to do surgery after the 2015 season. Now, Andrew Luck will tell you that it was his decision. It was a collective decision, but, I mean, it's his body. So, okay, fine. Now, the, the decision was we're going to rehab really hard and be ready for 2016. The problem with that, now, he played, he played okay in 2016. The problem with that was physically he was just beaten up. It was so hard for him to function. If you recall, he was practicing on a limited basis in 2016 because the wear and tear, uh, there was pain in the, in the shoulder. His throwing motion was all jacked up because he was compensating for the pain. It was, it was a disaster. So all of that traces back to the, the decision to not do surgery after 2015. Again, I'm not blaming anybody. I ain't naming names. It doesn't matter. That's what happened. Okay. And so my point is, I think it was a very pivotal moment in franchise history because then he has to go back and have the surgery after 2016. And then we know what happened in 2017. So, so instead of one season being impacted, three seasons were more or less impacted by that injury. You know what I mean? So, so if you apply that here, I think whatever, whatever gives you the optimum result in the end is what they have to do and what they will do. Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com covers the Colts. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And then you get past this Jacksonville game and you bring in what the best defense going into this past weekend, I believe. And maybe that's holding true in the Jim Swartz led as defensive coordinator, Cleveland Browns. Oh, by the way, coming off a major upset yesterday at home against the previously unbeaten San Francisco 49ers. And oh, by the way, maybe return to the field of Deshaun Watson. I don't know if I have any, oh, by the ways remaining here. Are there anything else I'm missing regarding this matchup this weekend? Uh, I, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, if I'm looking for the stat right now, and I, of course I can't find it, but oh, yeah. by the way, they have given up, oh, here it is, 1,002 yards, which yeah. is the third fewest by a team in five games since the NFL merger. So everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, they, they are a great defense. They really are. I mean, to go beat that team yesterday without your starting quarterback, I mean, what more is there to say? I know that, that San Francisco lost a couple of guys in the game. Obviously, they're, they're very key players, and, and I get all that. But, listen, <laughs> you go in there and you, you play without your starting quarterback, I mean, I think – that's that pretty much evens it out, wouldn't you say? And um, and and not only do you limit them, you you really shut them down. I mean, that is just astounding. Okay, astounding. So it, it's going to be tough. I mean, <laughs> you talk about the Jaguars being stubborn on defense yesterday. I mean, well, here's the thing: the, the Jaguars secondary isn't even really all that. Okay, the the Browns secondary is actually really good. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got that front that they have. And then you, you couple that with, with the secondary that they have. It's not as if, well, if they're, if they're stopping the run up front, well, you know, maybe we can make some plays down the field. No, no, no. Those guys are really good too. So I don't have any more by the ways, but um, I don't think we need yeah. any more. 
Yeah, it just kind of seems like you, you hit this thing at a really, really bad moment. Is yeah. this schedule with Gardner and Minshew, and we, we, I look at it, I've called it, you know, it's worthy of being competitive the rest of the way out. You should be yeah. competitive to win games. How much has that taken a hit by what we witnessed yesterday and really kind of, you know, Gardner Minshew that was, you know, uncharacteristically making a myriad of mistakes to the way this team looks right now. How much of that is taken away without Anthony Richardson a part of this? I mean, it's a, it's a week-to-week league, and our, our impressions of teams do change week-to-week. You know, we're human. But I also think people understand the context here. And, and the context is that, look, I, I don't – trying to be trying to be gentle with how I say this. But, look, I'm, look I, was, I was kind of ready for, for Gardner Minshew to step up, and I'd be, I'd be here for that. You know, I, I would I'd love to see it, right? But I think ultimately, in the back of our heads, we probably knew who Gardner Minshew was and is. He has done a great job for himself, okay, prior to, to yesterday, generally. He, he, has, he has stepped up. He has, he has uh, been right there when they needed him, no question about it. But he is limited. He is very limited. And ultimately, no one considered him as a starter this year. No one really has considered him as a starter the last couple of years because they see him as a backup. And, and he got a $3 million contract to come here and be basically a rookie's backup, essentially. So, I mean, that, that's kind of putting it in context. Now, that being said, if, if the opportunity is there, and he, he can make you pay. But, you know, you're, you're going to have to help him a little bit, you know, to, to, really, to really make that happen. And I don't know, a team like the Browns isn't going to do that. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, Yes, the schedule is manageable. Yeah, they, they probably have a little higher talent level, the Colts, than we gave them credit for. But I also think we – I think they were also playing a little bit over their heads the last few weeks. And Gardner Minshew certainly was playing over his head at times. And water tends to find its level. So that might be where we're going. I don't know. We'll see. Is there any frustration in the locker room that you witnessed yesterday in Jacksonville? After the game? No, I, I, the only thing I would say is that I would say a couple of things. Number one, Minshew really did have a lot of belief from that locker room. I'm not saying it's changed, no, but it, I would agree it with was, you. No, you're right about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they really believed in him. I mean, I talked about this with KB the other day in the morning. Like, having a backup you don't believe in is, is the worst feeling, you know? Because you go out there and you're saying to yourself in pregame, you're putting on a smile, but you're saying to yourself in pregame, we got no shot. I'm about to get my head beaten for 60 minutes and we got no shot. That sucks, man. Okay? Well, they weren't feeling that way. And I'm not suggesting they are now, but, but ultimately the belief in Minshew was based on how he had performed. So now that he, he hasn't – now that he, he's coming off a performance that's not as good – you know, can he continue to engender that confidence from the rest of that team? That's what I want to see. I don't know. The other possible, if you ask me about frustration, the other reality they're dealing with is that even though they believe in Minshew, 
Anthony Richardson, it's not just his talent. There's just something about him. I think he just, there's a belief there that, that you can't measure. And I mean, guys like, guys like DeForest Buckner, who've been in this league a long time, you know, made, you know, tens of millions of dollars. I mean, he's got those guys in the palm of his hand, you know, Anthony Richardson. And to see him not out there, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a punch to the gut, man. There's no doubt about that. Absolute gut, gut punch. And they just, they, how do you find that confidence that he brought? How do they find that? Where do they go for that? I don't know. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN. Hey, Stephen, I got to run early today because of Pacer hoops later on tonight. But thank you so much for coming on. A great perspective from being down there yesterday. We'll do it again next week. All right, you got it. Anytime. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Thanks to Cam and to James back in the studio. Great to see you guys. Our friends Kevin and the gang here at Twin Peaks. Back in studio tomorrow, out Thursday and Friday on the road. I'll tell you when and where. Give away more bullseye passes later on in the week as well. Colts roundtables coming up, led by Matt Taylor. After that, Pacer preseason hoops right here. It's 93.5, 107.5. The fan, have a swell evening. We'll talk to you from the studio tomorrow at 3.